Welcome to the Holy Sparks Podcast. Our mission is to illuminate the brightest lights in the Jewish world and beyond so that we elevate the Holy Sparks within us and make the world around us a better place. I'm your host, Saul Kay. If you're looking for inspiration, edutainment, or simply want to discover people doing amazing things in and around the Jewish world, you're in the right place. Also want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, JLTV, Jewish Life Television Network. JLTV is a 24-7 cable and satellite television network delivering news, history, and entertainment. JLTV brings together the greatest voices from around the country, across the world, and from the Holy Land. Go to jltv.tv for stories that inspire. Okay, we're live, ladies and gentlemen, on location at Camp Newman for the first time the Holy Sparks podcast. I'm super excited to have a guest live here in person with his dog. Oh my goodness. So, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce Ari Farid, a former Camp Swig and Newman camper. Nifty participant, staff member, and camp director is the executive director of California Campus and Youth. In this leadership role, Ari will help grow the impact and elevate the enriching experiences we provide to thousands of children and teens. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big welcome to Ari Barrett. Let's go. Oh, thank you, thank you. I was looking for that. Uh, the cheers, that's what, that's what I need. <laughs> How are you doing? Thanks for making some time. Doing amazing. You know, it's uh, to be at camp and just to walk around and feel joy, like really unfiltered joy is, it's a gift. So uh, I, I wake up every morning with a smile on my face. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've, had a, I've had some other career experiences that have uh, landed me to know I'm in the right place. Cool, well, let's roll back the tape for anyone that doesn't know you. Great. And uh, talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and specifically Jewishly. Uh, what was happening in your, your early years? Yeah, all right. Well, um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, my uh, one side of my family is uh, actually both sides are Holocaust survivors in, in kind of different ways. One side of my family was uh, from Vienna and uh, escaped as uh, the Nazis were entering and kind of had a winding path through New York and Ellis Island and came to Berkeley, California in the 1950s. Um, and the other side of my family, uh, my father was born in Poland uh, in Warsaw and ended up going to Israel till he was 16 and then came again to Berkeley, California when he was 16 years old. My parents actually met at the UC Berkeley Hillel is where they, they went to both went to Berkeley High, Amazing. UC Berkeley Hillel. And, uh, and so Judaism has always been, I think, uh, an important part of my life. I remember, you know, my, my, we currently go to, to Temple Bethel in Berkeley, where uh, my grandmother joined in its second year. And every time I'm there, I actually meet a new person who knew my grandmother and can tell us kind of stories about how she participated and kind of just always can go into their whole, whole deep journey of my own life experience with that. But uh, ended up growing up in East Bay, grew up at Temple Isaiah in Lafayette, was super important in my life. That's kind of where my friendships were. Uh, but really, I would say my most defining part of my life was Jewish summer camp without question. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first photo of myself at Jewish summer camp is when I'm eight weeks old at a family camp at Camp Swig. And, 
you know, there's a story that I, I tell people here from when I was uh, eight years old, I had my first ever experience at, at Swig at the time. And for those who don't know, Swig was a predecessor to Newman. So it's all the same community code dating back to the late 40s. It was UAHC. It was. Camp Swig. It was UAHC Camp Swig. Um, they actually started as Camp Saratoga on the shores of Lake Tahoe in 1948. Just like a group of rabbis, group like a group of kids together in Tahoe and just kind of this like dream of what's how do we create a more experiential Judaism um, and then eventually moved to Saratoga in about 52, 53 and it was named Camp Swig at the point in time. That's something I've never fully known the story behind is the origin of the Jewish summer camp in America as we know it was was the west coast where it began or do you know was it the east coast so there's some camps that go way back it's actually a fascinating there's a book that just came out actually about the history of Jewish summer camping and, okay. and, and they have a podcast and all this other stuff but it, it only talks about the origins of summer camp and really a lot of it had to do with trying to find identity in um, post-Holocaust. Yeah, post-Holocaust yeah. and, and even pre-Holocaust. Just, you know, how do you find, what does an American Jewry look like? How do you hold on to Judaism mm. in a space where that's not, that's not the norm? And especially back when you think about the 40s and 50s where Jews were, you know, very othered and there's a lot of anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. that this was a place where you could actually learn Jewish values and be immersed in a Jewish environment that um, in our world outside of, Outside of Israel, outside of other places, it was thinking somewhat craving for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I heard a story about you. So oh. It may not be accurate. All right, hit me. As stories go. So something about you were with your family, dropping your sister off at camp. Yeah, yeah. You said, I need to... So I was going to tell you that story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay. so my first summer ever was, um, I was here, I have two older sisters, and uh, we were dropping, I can't remember if it was one of them or both of them up at camp, and, you know, I was five and seven years younger so my mom had told me you know you're eight years old you're not ready for camp mm -hmm. okay i'm eight years old what do i know so we we drove but she's like oh, but i don't know what else to do with you so you're gonna you're gonna drive with us and we're gonna go well, from where to how far are we so we we grew up in the east bay in moraga and so it was like an hour and a half to saratoga or so okay. you know so they threw me in the car and we go and and, and i and i'll never forget we we drove up to camp swig and the first thing that always happened at Camp Swig is there was a senior staff member who was waiting there mm -hmm. and all the CATs, the counselors in training, and they all, and this goes back for as long as I can remember, they're singing, Hey, Venu Shalom Alechem. Hey, Venu Shalom Alechem, right? We're so glad to see you. Yeah. And, you know, they're banging on the side of the car. And I just remember having this like smile of like, what a, like the energy was just palpable and he drove in a little bit further and i remember we, we parked in the big parking lot we have all these like 11th grade campers all of a sudden who come up and they're like oh hey can we help you with your bags and like you know it's, it's kind of just like sitting there watching this environment and i remember going down a little bit further and we get to the check-in table and at the check-in table they they like ask my sister her name and she says her name and they go we've been waiting to meet you and I'm thinking they're like, what person is waiting to meet a 12 year old? Like that doesn't, that's like not a thing or a 14 year old. Like that's not, that's not real. Mm -hmm. And then I watch and they call, you know, they shout out her name and all of a sudden her counselors come running and they're cheering. And like, you know, this all happens within a five minute period. Mm -hmm. So I turned to my mother and I was like, mom, is there any chance I could go to camp? Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, we, we didn't sign you up, are you? <laughs> like what? And I was like, well, you know, I, I think this looks pretty amazing. 
So we actually walked into the front office. They asked if she asked if they could register me. They said, we don't need beds, but like, we'll figure it out. We drove home two hours, packed my bags, drove back that very same night. Um, and I had my first summer ever at camp. And actually that is, it's, it's 30 years ago this summer that that happened. And this will be my 27th summer at camp. So I missed a three in that time. Well, shout out to your parents for being the ultimate dad and mom taxi. Totally. In that moment. Totally. I mean, hey, yeah, we'll drive another four hours. No yeah. problem. That's incredible. I mean, they also got a free vacation that they weren't expecting. So I can. But yes. yes. <laughs> um, that's amazing. So, you know, and I definitely want to talk about this, but really, like welcoming of guests is something you guys do amazingly well. And obviously, is it camp value from when you first experienced it? Look, I mean, I think it's, it is, um, it's everything. You know, we, the executive director prior to me, his name is Ruben Arkolovich, he used to get up on stage every, you know, the beginning of every session and, and always say, whether it was your first summer uh, or your hundredth summer, every summer is a new summer. Mm. And, the, and the community is reformed every year um, and recreated. And so that can only exist with everybody here and, and we'll create a new experience together. And uh, I think it's foundational to who we are and we take a lot of pride in trying to welcome and, and make sure everyone feels truly part of the community. I love it. Well, we'll get to the present day moment of our All first right. family experience this year. Well, I can't, I can't wait to hear about it. Super exciting. So talk to me, you know, growing up, I think you said Temple, Isaiah, Lafayette. Yeah. And your family is also connected to Bethel and Berkeley, yep. which are both reform communities. And then Bar Mitzvah, and then kind of what happened between Bar Mitzvah and college age for you Jewishly? Were you at camp every year? I was at camp every single year. Okay. I think it was like my foundational everything. Okay. Um, I ended up going on Nifty Regional Board, and that's really, I think, when I, I learned my like leadership journey and so for there's some people that might not yeah, that yeah. Might not, the acronym might not mean anything so what is that what's NIFTY? so uh nifty stands for the north american federation of temple youth mm -hmm. and it is the reform movements kind of youth side of the movement right um comparable to usy yeah exactly like uh -huh. and uh anyway so i got very involved on a regional level which okay. for this area um and actually i don't know if you know this part of my story but when I was a senior, I was on regional board, which meant we planned four events actually here up at Newman oh. for people throughout Northern California and Utah and Nevada and Hawaii. That was like our region. Um, every year they would send us away to, um, or they would send us away, there was like a leadership development on the East Coast at the Kutz Camp yeah. um, in Warwick, New York. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the summer of my senior, before my senior year of college that I met my wife because she was on Nifty Regional Board for the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And we met on the bus ride on the way to camp because we had both were coming from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and we ended up getting married at Newman and the like. So wow. um, it really, that was defining. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only thing I'll add to, you, to your question was, you know, when I was in college, I joined API and I kind of did those pieces, which Pause for a second. Oh, yeah. A-Pi is the Jewish fraternity? Correct. Okay. Which there aren't any others at this moment I that think, I know of. I'm not so familiar. I think there's others that are predominantly Jewish. Right. I think A-Pi is overtly, overtly Jewish. Okay. And that was really big. Um, but I also found that in Hillel, I, I had a little bit of a hard time because the community that was there, I felt actually othered as a reformed Jew. Oh, like I wasn't Jewish enough in that environment and that was really hard for me where I was at least with in that moment in time where I was I couldn't speak to it now I couldn't speak to it before but like 
in that moment in time, yeah. the community I was with was a little bit more conservative. Okay. And, you know, the music on Shabbat, the guitar playing, um, we just were a much smaller community, surprisingly, at the, at the school I was at. And, and that was hard because I was so used to being in an environment like camp and my congregation and Nifty where um, I felt very at home and kind of the way I connected with Judaism was embraced. Um, I didn't feel it there, which is right. okay also. Like I, I, don't, I don't hold animosity to it, but I, yeah. I think I found my, the answer to your question about my journey, like this became camp was my cornerstone that no matter where I was in life, I, this was my touchstone I always came back to and the people were my touchstone people also. Well, it's such a powerful point that you raise because this idea of not feeling Jewish enough, right? Which I think, safe to say, every Jewish person I've ever met in my life at some point feels that. Or even like throughout the, the week or the year. Yeah. It's such a common thing. I mean, there's just so much to unpack there. What does that mean? What is Jewish enough? You know, what is this uh, inherent thing inside of us that feels not enough or has a need to strive? And there's just, I mean, it's such a deep question that we could spend like several hours talking about that. I don't know. Anything else you want to say about I mean, we'll create the new podcast series. About I think so. I mean, like, like, I could. We're going to start a whole podcast that says you're not Jewish enough. <laughs> That's all. We're just going to harp on that for like five no, alas, we digress. But I think it's a really important point, and it's definitely a common thread. Everyone I've ever met in my life that's Jewish. Everyone. They have moments of that. It's totally normal. And so, but for you, the, the kind of tikkun of that, the healing of that is, is you found your, your, your home, your home base. Well, and I also think if you come back to the value of being a welcoming community, yeah. like, I think that's also one of the things that's critically important to me, yeah. is that part of what we do at camp, it's not about teaching the way we think Judaism exists. It's actually about helping people find the way they believe Judaism exists. Okay, I love it. And okay. that's, I think, a really important way we approach things. And it comes back to belonging and welcoming and, and all those kind of key concepts. Okay, well, we're going to come back to the, to the sort of what the core mission is and values yeah. now. I'm getting excited. Let's, I know, we're, we're gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> Half the guests I have, like they tell their entire life story in like 30 seconds. I'm like, and those are all my 10 questions. Yeah, there you go. That. So, but there was a point in your life where you decided to go the more the, the corporate route yeah. and get an MBA and talk about that as it relates to your Jewish journey and what happened. Yeah, so uh, I worked after, at a, so actually when I was in my, my first summer not at camp after like 15 years was when I was, heading into my senior year of um, uh, college. And I was like, I'm not gonna go back to camp. It's time for me to go and like to the corporate world. And I got an internship and it was like everything I ever thought I'd want it to be. And I totally hated it. And okay. um, everything you ever thought you wanted to be meaning what? Like, I think that I, you know, I live in a world where there's a lot of influences to define who you want to be. And oftentimes those are not value-based influences. Those are monetary. They're what you have. They're what you can do. They're how nice the house you lived in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it's hard, especially when you're growing up, to figure out where do you want to fall in those? What actually is the most important to you? Yeah. And so I, I actually had two different experiences where I, I think I went the corporate route following, not because it's a bad route, but but though my reason for doing it mm -hmm. for myself was um, not what I needed and it wasn't what really filled my soul. And when I was there, 
didn't feel like the truest version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I think twice I learned. So the first time when I was, and actually the first time had resulted in me working at camp full time. Okay. I did that for eight years. I ended up getting my MBA. And again, I kind of had this starting a family, you know, I got to like figure out how to make money and I got to like think differently. And, you know, is camp me being selfish and being about myself rather than caring for my family because, you know, whether I like to make a living and all this stuff. And, and so I went into the corporate world for another two to three years mm-hmm. and in tech, in tech, okay. I was in tech and I had a, a really good experience. I found success by traditional metrics in that experience. But I also found myself not living as the truest, most authentic version of myself. Mm-hmm. And I had one person who said to me once, you know, there's a difference between work-life balance and work-life integration. Mm-hmm. And I think we, especially when I was young, like I spent a lot of time thinking about balance. Like how do I create space for my family versus how do I create space professionally? Mm-hmm. And then when I started thinking about like, it's not actually who I am. Like I want to live as me in every moment of my day mm-hmm. in everything that I do and I want that my family to be a part of it mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. um, and like that's how I ended up here I mean I get to live here with my family and actually have a shared experience in my place of work Amazing. I mean it's it is now the I greatest of, gift I think of my father's a, an eye surgeon and mm. so was his father and at one point there were 26 living surgeons in my family it's kind of this wild wow. thing but my brother and I went a different path. I was 28 the first time I went with my dad to work. Interesting. And I saw him do his art, which was cataract surgery. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. But to your point, and, and nothing against him, obviously, you know, the surgery uh, floor is not the best place for a yeah. child. So there was definitely the dad's at work. And then home, right? And so yeah. this integration, 100% on the same page with you as a dad as well. And it's, it's, I think maybe it's more of a this generation thing that dads want that more, but I totally honor the choice. Like I want the flexibility also for my wife. Like I want yeah. her to also have the freedom to be a professional and to do the things that you, which is not, I think the same world that we lived in 20 years ago. For sure. And part of that is also like, I should play, like, how can I also create a job that has the flexibility to do the things I need to do so that I can be an equal partner um, in our family? For sure. And does your wife work in the camp world as well? No, she, oh. she works. She's um, a civilian. <laughs> she, she's uh, actually a, a, an investor. She works oh. in the VC world. So oh, okay, okay. we have like very, it's very funny that, that, you know, she was taking an environmental path. I was actually taking a business path. And then oh. at some point I ended up in the nonprofit world and she ended up in the, in the VC world. In the wow. VC world. So, but we, but she doesn't and like, you know, what's interesting with hers, it's still the pieces of camp and nifty still come forward because she actually does it in an impact investing lens. So oh, even nice. the businesses they invest in, yeah, they have to have a mission associated with it where they're pushing the world forward. So we actually have a lot a surprising amount to talk about in common in those spaces, which is uh, it's always fascinating. That's good. It's amazing. Okay, so um, and then we have another interesting connection along on the, along the route, which is you MBA corporate, and then you looked at possibly being an executive director of a shul. I did, and then the and the reason why you opted out 
was. Yeah, so uh, the story I was sharing with you, I guess, at lunch, because at camp we get to eat every meal together. It's uh, three, three sitting down meals a day as a parent is like, it's a miracle. And like, and, and no grocery shopping, grocery and shopping. no dishes. You get to have conversations. And no meal planning. Yes. It's amazing. Okay. So, you know, I, I was uh, at this shul and I was getting very close to kind of settling in as the executive director. And, and um, I went to the final round interview and, I, and it was with the board, like a group from the board of directors. And at the end, they asked me, you know, do you have any questions? And so the, you know, I put the adult presentation I had and, and, and the question that I, I'll never forget I asked is I, I asked everyone there, I said, look, you could do so many things with your life and time. Like you all are very successful people. Why are you here at the shul? Like, well, why are you giving here? Not because it's the wrong thing to do. Like, obviously I was trying to get the job, but rather from like, a, I want to know what motivates you. Yeah. And there's one father that I'll never forget who I think was in finance or a CFO or something of that nature. And he said, you know, I go to work every day and my kids don't really know what I do. Like they know that I go make money. They know that like I'm caring for the family, but they don't actually know what I'm doing there. Mm-hmm. My participation um, on the board of the shul is something they understand. It's actually something we get to share together mm-hmm. that we could talk about. And I, it was so deeply impactful. Like I want I want to live one life with my family. There's nothing more important to me than being a dad and a part of my family. And um, I just don't want my work to take me away from that. I want it to be something that enhances that. And, and I think it's been, you know, the greatest blessing. I have to live at camp and mm-hmm. I take a three o'clock meeting in the pool so I can do the meet. I can, I can both be with my children in the pool, uh, you know, for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, but even that 20 minutes there and having lunch together during the summer and, and knowing about what they're doing and, and they understand, you know, that they love my work. Like what a, what a cool concept that actually my son told me the other day that he wants to work at Camp Newman when he's an adult. Like that's, wow. um, old your son? he's seven. seven. Okay. And you know, it's not from any pressure, but he, he also wanted to have his birthday party up here. And we're like, no one might come. Like it's a, it might be a bit of a drive. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just want to share it with, with my friends. Mm-hmm. And like, whether they're Jewish or not Jewish, he's like, this just is a place I feel mm-hmm. safe and comfortable. And I'm like, you're seven. How do you have this type of language to mm-hmm. articulate kind of what an environment like this is about? He's learning from someone. So the apple doesn't fall, fall from the tree. As yeah, I guess he's a mini me a little bit. That's, uh, that's for nice. sure. That's good. Beautiful. So, okay, which this leads me to my next question, which is talk about um, here at Camp Newman, some of the demographic, like who are the kids that come here and where are they coming from and just, you know, in general. Yeah, I mean, so we, we pull from um, really across the, the Western United States okay. um, as kind of if you look over the past 20 years, we've seen some demographic shifts where um, there's a heavier weighting of Bay Area specifically mm-hmm. um, of folks, um, partly just because of the popping up of, of more camps. So um, we used to have all the whole Pacific Northwest, especially the reform community from that area used to come um, down here to Newman. And, and ever since we uh, opened Camp Kalsman about 18 years ago, um, we've seen that community stay closer to home. Where's that? Um, it's in Washington state. Okay. 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 Um, and actually my role now has gone from California to West coast. And I actually, I also work with Cal's at this point in time. That's oh, also nice. part of my, my portfolio, which okay. is a delight 
because my, my wife's family is from there, so I kind of get to have this uh, little taste of being a part of family in, in all aspects. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, we're, we're seeing um, a greater number of folks um, every year exponentially, really, who are, don't find themselves affiliated with a, a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but it's, if you look at the demographics, like we're seeing the same way that the demographics are shifting in, you know, I know the Bay Area, the, the, the best, like it's the same thing that we're seeing at camp where I, uh, you know, I hate to quote numbers, but I think it's like something, you know, there was some survey not too long ago that said 25% of families in the Bay Area have at least one person um, who identifies as a person of color in their, in their household. Um, there's also, I think it's like 80 to 90% of the Bay Area that have at least one person in their family who doesn't identify as Jewish in their household. Doesn't. Who doesn't okay. identify as Jewish. Okay. Of Jewish households have at least one person who doesn't identify as Jewish. Oh, okay. Um, and like both those statistics just talk about kind of the way that our, our world is, is changing and in really beautiful ways, mm-hmm. um, which again always comes back to this idea of of welcoming and belonging and something we just think about so deeply because one you know one thing I don't want ever is a kid to come here who has one Jewish parent and one parent who doesn't identify as Jewish and ever to think that one parent is more important than the other or that one parent's background or identity is more important but rather like let's you're here to celebrate your Judaism mm-hmm. and you also know that your identity is complex and we hope that you can share that and understand that and find your own way to weave those things together. What would happen at camp that would give that camper the tools age appropriate to deal with that? What would be an example of that? You know, I think that when we talk about Judaism, uh, this kind of goes back to my earlier comment, like we're not talking about Judaism in the context of there is one way to do Judaism, right? We're we're talking about much more of like, let's understand what Judaism is and let's understand what are the things here that you can pull out. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year ago, we sat down and we were like, you know what, let's ask ourselves this question. Why does it matter that we're a Jewish camp? Mm-hmm. And it was like a really, it was actually this seemed a super obvious thought exercise. But if you kind of go back, I think some of the history of camping, now this is my own words, and I feel bad saying on a podcast because someone might quote me, but here's my own, here's my own interpretation of the way okay. the world's happened. It, for, a, for quite some time, if you look back at like the 80s and 90s, a lot of the thought about Jewish camp, or at least I would say the programming here, was you're Jewish because if we're not Jewish, we might go extinct, right? That like, it was a lot about survivalism. Like that's why we're, that's why we're becoming Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, it, it's kind of shifted. And I think we went for a little bit of time where we were like, you had people who, Sadly, like they, they hadn't meant survivors, right? Like uh, as the survivors are passing, that that doesn't have the same pull anymore. Um, and I don't, I don't mean pull in like a in an odd way, but like that. It's not the Wait. reason. Right. It's not the way. It's not the reason people are coming to camp. Is just for Judaism's sake. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that's not good enough in today's world. Like Judaism has to matter to you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we've thought about is, you know, our values our Jewish values and what we're doing here is we're creating, we're teaching how to live in a space of Jewish values, mm-hmm. which includes belonging and being a part of a, 
uh, a global Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes kind of celebrating the best version of yourself. It includes being a part of community, um, but it also includes things like legacy, which is, you know, learning from the past, understanding the present and taking responsibility for the future, right? Like, so I think part of this is, is saying you have the room to create the world you want to live in. Like we actually want to empower you to do that. We're not teaching there's one way. We're going to use text. We're going to use Judaism. We're going to use Jewish values to help you think about how to live in the world today as a good human, right? And as a good citizen. Um, And our Jewish values inform those things about how we go about and live our lives. And that I think gives the freedom for people to piece together the multiple identities. And look, in the years, we're still, we're three years post returning from uh, the devastating fire, which I guess we didn't comment about here yet, but a lot of the type of programming that we're dreaming about, I would say is really thinking differently about how do we reach out to other faith-based organizations of youth and create cross-communal programming to figure out the things that bond us and to learn from one another and to also create the space for people who might have multiple identities that shows up in themselves or in their families and be able to have a space where they can even like live in both at the same time mm-hmm. um, so i think we're as we dream about like where where do we go from here i would say we're i will honestly say like we're just scratching the surface like this is an area of bringing in the core of our identity and then figuring out how to bring it out into the programming that we do to create more opportunities in, in new and unique ways. Well, so as you were talking, I was just thinking, kind of translating in my mind into Hebrew, like, welcome guests, giving acts of loving kindness, tikkun olam, preparing of the world, social action. So everything that you said is like in perkei avot, it's on level, which is great. And I think the idea of interacting with other camps of different faiths and having, you know, I call it cross-cultural pollination, and just as much important for them to learn and interact with Jewish people as for us, because as the minority, we're generally interacting with non-Jewish people all the time, which is healthy. And so I was recently speaking with um, my last interview with a rabbi with JCC, who says that that there's like something like 500,000 people, non-Jews, that go interact with Jews at the crossing point of a JCC every month. Hmm. because of the gym or whatever and so she says so it's a really important meeting place and I thought oh I had no idea that was such a, a powerful tool for communicating like who, who are we so can I speak to that for a second yeah, so it's part of to give a little backstory for those who don't know that so we lost um, in the 2017 Tubbs fire we lost 81 of our 90 structures um, and it really created a moment of like who do we want to be mm-hmm. and what are we going to be mm-hmm. and how do we serve and who do we serve Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of pieces to that, but just on the on the point we were at is one of the big things we talked a lot about is one of the opportunities we have is yes, we're a Jewish summer camp during the summer, mm-hmm. but what does the rest of the year look like? Mm-hmm. And part of it is our own programming, but part of it is this like hospitality and retreat business. Mm-hmm. And the question is like, is that just about revenue generation? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is we are inexplicably, <laughs> undeniably a Jewish space. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We have a giant Star of David on the hill that overlooks all of camp. Mm-hmm. We are putting, you know, we have Hebrew um, and Jewish values literally it's cemented into the ground. We have artwork that's going up places that is very intentionally Jewish. Um, but we also build our hospitality that we serve also with the with grounded in Jewish values. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is as different groups are coming up, non-Jewish communal groups, mm-hmm. um, that they actually really enjoy being here because there's a humanity to being in a value-based environment. 100%. And when you can live in a space where you're treated where unequivocally, like we're Jewish. It's not we're not like hiding it just to have a facility. Like you are in a Jewish space and that means that you're welcomed. That means you're appreciated. That means that there's a certain amount of hospitality that you should expect and kindness mm-hmm. and assumptions of goodwill. Like this is, we're going to treat you with this type of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and one like actual manifestation of this that I'll just share is that we, our first stained glass window that we had put in, yeah. it, um, it's a, there's a lot of Juda- Judaic symbolism in it, but in the core, what it says is, um, and I, I, I can't say, I don't know in Hebrew, but basically the text is, and none shall be afraid. It's from Micah somewhere. Mm-hmm. But we actually have it in, it's like six to eight other languages, mm-hmm. all the same text. And the, and the intentionality there was that this was something that could speak to you wherever you're from, whichever language you spoke. Mm-hmm. And that was a clear message in, in the most significant you know, doorway that we have in camp. That this is a place for whoever you are, from wherever you come from, whatever language you speak, um, that you shouldn't be afraid here. Like this is a place of of inclusion and acceptance. And yes, it's Jewish. Like that's a, that's a grounded Jewish values, but it's not just for Jews. It's for how we we create a better world. I love it. It's great. It's a great message, um, both overly and in the in the ether of the floor and the, yeah. and the boards here. So what do you feel like the kids love most about being here? I mean, I know what you love most, but like from your experience of all these years, you know, what are some of the top 10 things kids are just rave about? What do they love about? Yeah. So I'll say like kids typically talk about three things. Okay. Like when they leave camp, there's like three things that they talk about. One is they talk about our adventure mountain, which we have a climbing tower and the ropes course. And like, they just, I think the the personal challenge mm-hmm. um, that you get is um, and the feeling of accomplishment and it's just something like you know it's a fifty foot climbing tower it's mm-hmm. there's six different ways to go up it and then we have this sky park that's like a choose your own adventure and um, like really cool and we also have a lower ropes course that you can do team building activities and kind of learn how to work together but there's a physicality of doing it and working together that. Um, is very different than you typically get in, in typical settings. So one, they say Adventure Mountain. Mm-hmm. Two, they say friends and role models. Mm-hmm. And one of the, like the magical pieces of camp is you have people in their 18 to 22 year olds who are who are treating you with respect and valuing you and listening to you and providing their wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really young, but the truth is like, if you're 12, to get an attention of an 18 year old who's going to care about you is so special and mm-hmm. so unique. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these um, staff members were kids themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they, they want to give that type of love to someone and mm-hmm. mentorship. And the third one is Shabbat. Mm-hmm. And that's always fascinating to me that, that a, a, a Jewish experience is a highlight on the same level as a ropes course. 
and making friends. And, and the reason why is because Shabbat at camp, specifically Friday night Shabbat experiences, it's a communal experience. Mm -hmm. Everyone dresses in white. You'll get to really experience it this week. Coming up in two hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what's the most exciting part of, you know, to feel as beautiful, it's, it's actually the singing and dancing that happens oh, sure. after dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's like hard to describe even. Mm -hmm. um, we had a bunch of our Israeli staff who were here for the first time. Um, they just had it with the staff last week. We had 100 and, you know, 120 staff that were here, 130. Mm -hmm. And they told me it was, the, it was one of the most incredible things they'd ever experienced. This is like coming from Israel and Israeli dancing, all stuff. Yeah. And I was like, just wait. Just wait till you're in a community of five to 600 mm. where you're literally talking about almost everyone's participating, you know? And even those who maybe have sensory overload, mm. there are spaces for them to be present in a part of the community while, mm. while also having some quieter space. Like it is this communal and it's always happening when the sun is setting. Mm. And as we rebuilt camp, we actually built an intentional space that's in this core of camp that you can, that the sun sets directly behind us mm. and it's, pure unfiltered joy in its purest sense we teach this the all the dances going up to it's like everyone kind of when they get there everyone has a place everyone's a part of the community and i'll say like that's ultimately one of the things people come back for is is this shabbat experience there's there's really nothing else like it so there's a, a study done recently you know that just talking about san mateo county where i live and it's like 35,000 Jews and like 80% of them are unaffiliated. Okay, so would you say that a lot of your population uh, are unaffiliated with shuls in their local area or most of them are? Or what kind of blend is that? And do you feel like this is a good place for a family that they might not have a, a shul to go to, a synagogue to go to, but they need something. They don't, their kids aren't in Jewish day school, but they need some anchor point. Is this like a good place to start? If you want to have, well, let's actually talk just during the summer because we do programs throughout the year. Yeah. But during the summer, if you would like a child, your child to choose Judaism, mm. like where it's actively their choice mm. and then everything can build from there, mm. there's nothing like camp. Mm -hmm. I think it's the simplest answer. And, and we see that a lot, right? Mm. That the experience is one where we actually have kids who climb to the top of the star. This is like every, throughout the day. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but, <laughs> but you, throughout the day, you just hear kids at the top of our star and they shout the same phrase every time. I love being Jewish, right? It's not like you love being Jewish. It's not we love being Jewish. It's, this is a very personal thing. Like I, I love being Jewish. And I think that ultimately what they're saying is I love being in a place where I'm seen for who I am. Mm. I feel like I belong. I'm valued. People care about me. I feel like my voice matters. I feel like what I'm doing matters. Mm. Like, and, and to me, this environment that's grounded in Jewish values, this is a world mm. that I love. Mm. And if this is how Judaism creates a world, then I want to be a part of that. And so I think that if the goal is to like find a way to opt into Jewish life, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a brilliant place to start. Mm -hmm. um, but I also say that if you look at like I'm an I'm an MBA, I'm a, I'm a business guy, right? Like if you look at the way the world works is we 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 live in ecosystems. We don't live in single programs. For sure. Um, and so I really I'm a big believer that it's not about one institution. It's about actually how we work together and in partnership. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so we do see a lot of oftentimes that people will come will come here and then they'll find other spots in their Jewish journey. Sometimes it means that they'll go join a congregation. You know, it's 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 a multiple there's multiple avenues here. Mm-hmm. Um, part of like the the beauty of actually the partnership with synagogues that for those who come from those spaces is there's a lot of similarity between music. There's a lot of similarity. There's similarity of clergy who are coming here and just the relationship becomes more human um, and and very non-transactional in those contexts. And there's actually, they build on it. And then you have friends that are here and then those become friends that you actually, you also will see in religious school or you'll see in other environments. But overall, you know, I think we're seeing the world change also where people are looking for for different things. And we are definitely seeing, um, I would say we're getting close to double uh, almost a third of our community, I think, this year, if not more, um, isn't affiliated with a with a synagogue at this point in time. I mean, it's growing significantly, and um, it's not for anything that we're doing. I mean, I, I don't. We're not actually being more intentional about that. We mm-hmm. it just if we see, um, you know, I don't know what it means. Let's put it that way. I don't want to. I don't want to lead to conclusions, but um, yes. it's a. It is something that we're we're seeing, and you know, our hope is to actually connect them into more of Jewish life, not just for it to, we don't want to be the only place in town. We want to actually want to be part of a bigger community. Yeah, and I hear you. And I, you know, I heard one of the points that you made, which I think is super important is, you know, Judaism is relational, right? It's relational and obviously it's based in the home, but it's, if there's no relation, there's, there's no camera, right? And so throughout the summer and maybe throughout the year as well, but throughout the summer you have clergy that come up and, you know, my wife and myself, of that cohort and what i found and what i found at you know even working with to feel at my kids day school is kids need to like have a little more access to you they cannot just see you on the bima once a week and create a relationship it's never going to happen you know and so here like in even these little informal times in between and hanging out playing guitar with kids or at meals or whatever it's like that integrates their world in a powerful way and I don't know if you want to speak about that. Well, I would say like the, I would say the and to that because yeah. that's a thousand percent true, and it's one yeah. of the reasons we we love having clergy here is because it. But I would say the second part about it, which is something that was really important to me, is yeah. there's a lot of different ways that that someone's a rabbi or a cantor sure. or an educator. Like yeah. there are different people with different personalities, and you connect with different people. For sure. And like if I look back at my time at camp as a kid, I had many different people that I connected with mm. for very different reasons that I learned to call on in my life journey for different reasons. And if it was a moment of joy, I knew who to call it. There's something I need for deep personal meaning. I knew someone different to connect with. Mm. And mm. there doesn't have to be one rabbi for everybody, right? That, right. That there are different personalities. Some people connect via music. Some people connect via art. Some people connect via sport. I mean, we have some rabbis who like, you know, there's someone here right now who's teaching about you know, John Morant and Steph Curry and looking at Jewish values and trying to interpret Judaism within the context of the sports world. Like, yes. and then we have someone else was talking about airplanes and El Al and Israel and like trying to understand, you know, like you, you have people who are truly different. They're speaking from a place of their passion, but that also speaks to the, pro, like the variety of passions that individuals have. Um, so I think it's like one of the beauties of, of camp that I think kind of creates this 
environment where Judaism becomes more, it becomes living, right? We always, we always call this as like a, a center for, or camp for living Judaism or institute for living Judaism because it's not a thing that you do. It's not a program. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life mm-hmm. um, and it's a connection and it's human. And once it starts becoming human, all you want is more because that it's like, don't you want to live in a world where you're constantly striving with others for it to be better than it was the day before, where you're caring for people who are not like yourself, mm-hmm. where you're valued for who you are, where you're seen and, and cherished for what you can give and that you're part of community. And you're like, who wouldn't want that? And like, that's, mm-hmm. if you ask me, like Judaism is, is trying to help us get there and to make meaning of things that are really hard moments in life or really joyful moments in life. And so like, there's such a richness to that. And I think at camp, we're just trying to, I mean, we're just touching the surface of it when we're here, mm-hmm. but we want you to taste it enough that you go on your own journey. Like we're very happy to connect people to other organizations, institutions, or mm-hmm. whatever might be a part of their journey. And what we find is there's people like me in a great, I've interacted with so many different Jewish institutions mm-hmm. and camp has just been my home base, mm-hmm. right? It's not my only base. It's just mm-hmm. my home base. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of people I know who've kind of had that journey where you go out in the year, you're living in a different part of the country, you're doing this, but like you can kind of come here, you can get recharged, you can get grounded and you, and you, you can live in an environment where like you, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. So as you're navigating other things, you can always have like a strong kind of core to who you are that can hold those things together. I love it. And I think it's super healthy. Just there's so many great points you just made, but the multiplicity of experiencing different rabbis and cantors and clergy, because it, you know, where I grew up, there was like one rabbi, one cantor. If you didn't like them, like for me as a reaction, I'm like, well, I don't like Judaism because that's all I got, right? Whereas here, and that's not true everywhere, but you know, some people have challenging experiences, breadth of experience, but you come here and there's other six rabbis and there's cantors and there's different people and different clergy and they're all finding their way in and that is true. And they're just humans also. Yeah, they're just humans. Like and I think that matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You see them in shorts. <laughs> and they go in the pool and they're yeah. eating and then they go play frisbee with you. And like all of those is because there's a more they're not just they're not at the arm's length. They right. they become more human and when more, more human, like you start asking different types of questions. And so, it does help to like and I always learn that a good, the best meetings are not done when you're sitting across the table from someone. It's actually much better done when you want to walk for someone. For sure. And if you can go on that walk out in the, in the woods or like in a natural place, there's a calmness that it comes with it. Mm-hmm. And there's an openness. Of your, I think your soul, your soul opens up in a different way. For sure. I love it. Um, well, we do have to wrap up relatively soon because um, we got to get ready for Shabbat leading to feel yeah. pretty soon. Uh, anything else you want to say about camp, camp experience specifically, your role here or anything you'd like people to know about Newman specifically that yeah. we haven't covered? I mean, I think we talked a lot about camp and I would say like the biggest kind of avenue that we're dreaming for to talk about a little about the rental side. But, you know, one of, I think the greatest opportunities that exist that we're dreaming about, and I won't say this is like an open invitation to anyone who's listening mm-hmm. is um, we think a lot about how do we, I'll say like stay in our lane. How do we know exactly what we're really good at? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we make sure we have excellent hospitality, amazing food service? We know how to do joyful Judaism. We know how to do experiences, but like that doesn't mean we know every content topic, 
It doesn't mean we're the, the furthest, most experts on Israel or civil rights or you name the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of what we're dreaming about is how do we find partners? How do we actually operate in a, again, I, I talked about this ecosystem a lot, but really how do we bring what we do best, but actually find others who might not have the capacity to run an, an experiential retreat or might not have that skill set in-house, but sure have a community that would benefit from stepping out of their daily life and immersing themselves in an intentional Jewish space mm-hmm. to build that relationship so that they can then go back and be um, in community when they're having the conversations. Like we, we can help facilitate that mm-hmm. beyond ourselves. Um, and, we're, and we're starting to do some incredible partnerships, whether it was PGA Library or others, um, but also thinking about a lot of like adult learning and adult education. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're, and we're already starting to do some of it, but it's, it's the area that we're most excited, I think, to dream about of how do we really, how do we turn this place into a laboratory for innovation around thought and um, and culture and and like where how do we have like some of the bigger conversations mm-hmm. because the truth is when you eat breakfast together because you all spent the night the night before and had a campfire mm-hmm. and then you start going into how to unpack some of the deep conversations you have a different foundation of dialogue for sure and there's a different opportunity to dream differently that I think is like the most exciting thing that's really going on here mm. that we, um, if anyone's listening and would like to just dream with me, with any of our team, mm-hmm. um, with our board, I mean, it's, it's the area that I think, I think really excites me the most of it all is, um, thinking beyond traditional camp, which we do even beyond the family camps, which we do even beyond you know, it all and thinking about the breadth of the community and how we can, um, serve more and differently um, and tap into different kind of cohorts through through partnership rather than just through needing everyone to be a part of what we're doing. You know, like, let's do it with others. I just thought of five weekend programs we could do. So we're going to talk. There we go. Let's do it. Okay. Last question and possibly the most important question. First of all, thank you for your time. I know you're very busy. We're in the middle of a camp session. It's amazing that he hasn't been. Oh, I love it. like amazing. Um, it's also amazing how relaxed both you and Rabbi Ali and so much of the staff here is considering there's 500 people. It's like you have a nice demeanor. So I appreciate that. So last and final question for this episode of the Holy Sparks podcast. Yeah, hit me. What do you think the Jewish world needs now most and why? Well, wow. at least you started on, you stopped on like an easy question. Yeah, I'll tell you like the first, my first honest answer was kindness, believe it or not. My second answer was innovation, but my first answer was kindness. And I'll, maybe I'll give them both to you. And I, I think our whole world needs kindness right now. I think we're seeing it through the way people are struggling with mental health. We see it in the kids, we see it in the teens, we see it in the parents actually, even more than we see it in the kids, to be honest. And it's not just kindness to others, it's actually kindness to yourself. I really wish for our world, I think for emotional healing. Um, and I'll say I'm part of my relaxed state right now is because I think we are seeing it this year, finally some kindness. We're seeing people breathing deeply again. Mm-hmm. We're seeing joy in a different way that I think has been tampered by COVID and by everything else. Sure. And you can just feel it in the air, this like sense of something beyond normalcy, but it's like um, a lifting of the soul. It's like, I think, I think we all need it right now, um, the human world, not just the Jewish community. Um, and in terms of the innovation side, I, 
I, I say that mostly because we always got to be changing, right? We can't live in the past of what was. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think we are actually, I think we don't always realize how much change is happening to the better, right? Like I think people like to look at certain institutions and say that they're old institutions, but if you actually spend a few minutes listening to what they've done in the last 12 to 18 months, you'd say to yourself, holy cow, like maybe I'm not realizing how much change is actually happening in our world. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it's less about innovation, even more about open-mindedness, um, about um, how we think and how we're acting together. You know, we see it with camp, right? A lot of people think about us and our facility from when we were before the fire in 2017. But I'm sure as you can see here, like this is not, this is not a place that it was in 2017 and what's capable is different. Absolutely. Um, but part of that is how people understand us. And, you know, we're working hard to help people see what, what a dream with us, the new reality. And I think uh, maybe it's just imagination even. Just let's, let's imagine together what could be. And I think it'll be to everyone's benefit yeah. and to do it together. I mean, cause that's, that's really, this is about, it's about all of us our world it's not about any one organization or institution so i'm in for it if uh, others will join along oh, i'm happy to join you for the ride and i will say having been here for four days and having been to other camps and many other facilities and retreats and everything this is how i describe the new facility it's top shelf down home meaning it's very nice you think you're up in a beautiful resort in tahoe but you feel like you're you're with family Oh, it's beautiful. That's a, that's a yeah, we'll, we'll put that on yeah. marketing material. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Thank RA, you so much. And uh, please uh, go to Camp Newman's website, campnewman.org, yeah. and reach out to RA if you have any ideas for you know retreats, intensives, communal integration, um, interfaith connection. And I always like to uh, bless people with, before we leave. So I want to bless you that you should continue to grow this space in a way that feels uh, like you and that your family and future families and future generations will come here and get that core value of kindness and welcoming and that that will begin here and certainly not end here, but ripple out into the communities and to our larger world because we most certainly need it. So, amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Holy Sparks Podcast. I'm your host, Saul K. Please subscribe to the channel. It helps us more than you know. Drop a review. Share this with friends and family, people you think would enjoy the content. And we'll see you on the next episode.